Good evening, New Ark family, and welcome back once again to our Friday Night with Friends. I am thrilled to be back here once again tonight, and I am excited because we not only have a guest with us tonight, and you can go ahead and come off of mute and share your camera, my friend, we have a returning guest. If you have been watching with us a month ago, I was delighted to introduce a very good personal friend of mine, Randall the Merchant. And he was on to talk to us about music and worship. But unfortunately, due to circumstances beyond our control, we faced a lot of technical challenges. I went back and looked. It was almost exactly a month ago on June 12th when you were on. And our live stream crashed right in the middle of our interview. So we had to do recovery and we lost a lot of time with that. And I know that we had a good question and answer session that was going on. And unfortunately, we were unable to finish that. And so we decided to go ahead and have Randy come back once again this evening. And I'm delighted that it fit within his schedule to join us one more time. And so he and I are going to continue in our discussion. And I look forward to the question and answer session. Hopefully you guys have more questions. Maybe if you asked a question a month ago of him that we didn't get to, you may want to repost that tonight. And in talking with him before we went live tonight, we also talked about how last time and he laughed. He said, yes, this is very true. It almost sounded a little bit, if I can say it, my friend, more like a, a professor lecture. That almost makes sense considering, you know, he's a college professor who teaches music. But, but I said, no, 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 no. Tonight we're going to have a conversation. And so we're going to tell some stories. And I want him just to share some of his stories out of his own upbringing and his own ministry experiences. And I am sure just as we have this conversation in the process of doing that, it will be some teachable moments and he won't be disappointed. He can still, he can still kind of get his professor on tonight, but maybe in a little bit of a different way. So my friend, I don't feel that you need any formal introduction to our church, but if you were not with us a month ago, this is my very dear friend, Randall the Merchant. He and his wife, Erica, are in Louisville, Kentucky, and currently they are working in, what is the name of your church and your pastor? Greater Life Apostolic Church. Our pastor is Alan and Mary Browning. And in addition to being there, this young man commutes back and forth between Louisville and St. Louis, Missouri, where he is a adjunct, or we could say a, a part-time professor. Hopefully that'll change at some point in the future, but he teaches music at Urshan College. And so we're delighted to have you back with us once again. And I think we should go ahead and just jump right in. And I want you to go back and let's just share a few stories, if you don't mind, about your own upbringing, your childhood. And Randy and I were talking, for those of you who, again, may have missed our original broadcast, he won't use this term, so I will. He is a professional musician. He is classically trained. He has both a bachelor's and within, I believe it's one more month, correct? You are like right at the tail end of it. He's just about there. He will have his master's in music. He is already a vocal and piano teacher, and my understanding is that you are already beginning to look at PhD programs, correct? Yes. Or I should say doctoral programs, excuse me, yes. a, a doctorate in music, a little bit different than a PhD. But my point is he is incredibly skilled. He is very talented, and he takes this very seriously. He feels that this is his God calling and his ministry. And so I want him just to share some stories from his own childhood as this developed, because I imagine, and this could be my own ignorance, because I will readily admit this. And in fact, it's one of the reasons I'm tickled he's such a close friend. I know nothing about music. I am not a musician. I don't play music. He knows it. He laughs at me when I ask him some very, very rudimentary questions when he and I talk. So I am clueless about this field. And I delight in that because I get to learn every time I visit with him. But I imagine that maybe I'm wrong. There are probably not a whole lot of apostolic young people who even as young children decide, you know, someday I want to grow up and be a professional pianist and teach music. And I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure you're not the only one, but how, how do you even go about that? How does that even work in Christian ministry? So why don't you share just a little bit about your own journey and your own childhood? Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's a really interesting segue um brother desi is i remember being a young child and explaining to people that my goal in life what i wanted to do for a career was to have a doctorate in music and i wanted to be a conductor that's like been my goal my whole life 
um, from as early as I can remember. Conductor is in formal music training, the person with the baton in front of a choir or an orchestra professionally leading music. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of been the dream, you know, for me, like that really became clear. um, Mm -hmm. The first time our family went to see the orchestra together um, and to see a performance with choir and orchestra. I remember this. Uh, We went to go see Handel's Messiah. And the first time Mm -hmm. we went, it was such an amazing experience for me. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. They had this amazing, the, the Toronto Mendelssohn Chorus is like one of the most amazing choirs in the world. And the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, in fact, performs Handel's Messiah throughout almost the entire Christmas and Advent season every year. It's a, it's a Toronto tradition. People mm-hmm. take time to do this. And um, we went to- How old were you? Oh, we were not very old. I mean, I think I might have been in the sixth or seventh grade because I, I do remember like I had started playing okay. a band instrument. So I was aware, um, but my siblings okay. were much But younger. you're still 12, 13. You are the oldest of three siblings. I'm the oldest of three, right? yes. So my yes. siblings were but younger you than are, me. And you you I, have tw- 12 or 13 at the time. It's not like you're an adult or something. Oh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I won't say which one of the two because um, I might get in trouble. Um, but one of my siblings fell asleep and slept through the entire Hallelujah Chorus, which is like one of the most iconic moments in Western music and one of the most iconic moments in sacred music and choral music. And here's this like massive choir and this orchestra and like these world-class soloists and the whole room stands up, of course, to honor King George. And they start singing Hallelujah and my sibling. um, Ah, I know who, I know who. You just gave nameless. it away. Your sibling uh, who shall remain nameless. Yes, exactly. Uh, but you're on the edge of your seat. Yeah. And, and this sibling, and this is, sibling asleep. Is, is asleep. Now, this sibling is very successful in music and, and um, has had other formative experiences in their life. And perhaps that might not have been one of them. <laughs> um, but that's, For what it's worth, if, if I can break in it real quick, if you don't know this, um, both of his siblings are also professional musicians. So, so although this sibling slept through Handel's Messiah, as adults, all three of you have ended up as professional musicians. Yes, and in different areas too, which is um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But yeah, we're, we've we've all kind of taken to music, which is also kind of funny. I love my parents, um, and my dad sang in the church choir with us growing up. But um, it was a miracle when they could play the radio, and so. We. So for you parents out there, take hope, take hope. If there's some area that, that is not your strength, so hear him. He and both of his siblings are professional musicians and he's thrilled when his parents can play the radio. So that tells you something about how much um, musical talent and ability flow directly from them into your formative years, huh? So yeah, yes, that's, that's, where, it, that's where it is right there. Um, but even before that time, um, even mm-hmm. as a smaller child, I had a large collection of um, toys and stuffed animals and whatnot. And so one of the things that we would always do, I mean, my dad sang in the choir when we were really little uh, in our local church. And one of the things that, I mean, I always loved it and I would always love to try to stay up late. Choir rehearsal was at nine o'clock on Friday nights and went almost to midnight. And so, you know, as a kid, that's not exactly an accessible time of the day to be awake. But one of the things I would do is find the recordings of these songs and line up my uh, stuffed animals. I got clarity on this today. Um, The seven dwarves were key members of my choir. And then there were these like little people that like squish onto a bus. Mm -hmm. And um, they were also members of the choir. And the driver of the bus was graciously named after our late pastor, F.W. McKenzie. So pastor drove the bus that the choir sang in, well, that some of the choir members rode in and they mm-hmm. um, would sing. And um, we obviously, I grew up in an apostolic church. And so the choir would sing and, and the Lord would move and choir members would would run off the stage and express themselves in your, various your stuffed worship. Your stuffed animal and toy choir members would run off would the stage. to and also it. mimic that. Yes. And so suddenly- um, And you were a- the choir director? I was the choir director and instigator okay. of flying choral members in my choir. So okay. 
I would select who in what moment would um, feel the spirit and um, take <laughs> off at high velocity across the room um, as, as the spirit gives you, utterance. As the spirit moved. <laughs> as the spirit moved on your stuffed animals. As you decided the spirit moved on your stuffed animals. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, how, how old were you probably at this time? Have oh, any idea? I... I probably would have been in kindergarten or sooner. Okay. So you're like four, five, six years old, somewhere in that range. And yeah, because the stuffed animal choir. Yeah, yeah. Cer certain key stuffed animals, key members of the choir disappeared at a certain age. So um, I know that it was a while ago. <laughs> it had to be before then, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was a choral evolution. Mm -hmm. Changes of members. Uh, but that was kind of like the, the first like experience of music and of choirs and of, of groups that um, I imitated. I mimicked that and I really love that. And our music minister um, at the time, mm -hmm. who is now the pastor of that church, Brother Granville McKenzie, was an amazing and gifted organist. And he directed the choir from the organ. And so, of course, not only um, did I have to have the choir, but I had to have the organ too. So there were many a time a bookshelf would be emptied to imitate the multiple there you go. layers of keyboards and whatnot. Say, did you did you make an organ at yes, home? Yes, I made an organ and I've, I've made several pianos in, in my lifetime. And we would um, do various uh, upbeat songs that, you know, we, we really we really mm. needed to focus on on the songs that were, <laughs> were important and memorable. So there was definitely a lot of um, Ron Cannoli in that literature and a lot of uh, Hezekiah Walker definitely were, were the top two uh, artists that my, my teddy bear choir mastered their music. <laughs> they were experts at Hezekiah yes. Walker's choir. So yes. and, and the occasional, also uh, another New York choir, the occasional James Hall choir song. You know, that, those were the hard there songs. Those were the big songs. Those are the big ones, huh? Those are the big songs, okay. yes. Not Some of you there. listening tonight, yeah. <laughs> it would have been too taxing on the teddy bears, right? Yes. So, yes. so some of you listening tonight may recognize those names and, and realize what a feat it would be for a teddy bear choir to, to perform those every Sunday. But even in sharing that story, you're demonstrating that this, is, this has been a part of who you are and your dreams. And I, I would say and believe that these are God-placed desires and dreams that have been there from a very, very young age. Yes, absolutely. And the really, um, the really neat thing was my parents supported that in not only myself, but in my siblings as well, um, quite fervently. And there were moments- So they didn't try to shut it down then? Absolutely not. And there, there were moments where we wanted to, I, I distinctly remember telling my dad, like, I want to stop taking piano lessons. Um, and, and he, he mm. had just told me like, basically, no, <laughs> that's not an option. Um, and for many reasons, and I think he knew that um, I would, you know, grow to eventually really regret uh, stepping away from the instrument. But also, um, he, I think he saw in us uh, the various, and, and so did my mom, the various um, callings and desires we had on our lives. And um, yeah. although I took most naturally to the piano, my siblings also took piano lessons, and they were gifted as well. Uh, but they all, they eventually drifted away from the instrument which is fine my sister is um an outstanding soprano uh very 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 she's a vocalist a, a singer yeah opera absolutely. opera background correct yeah very strong training in in, in the operatic uh tradition yes and then my brother is and... an amazing horn player um but i'm i'm convinced my brother can play anything that he picks up that's a brass instrument or or i mean even other instruments i remember my parents bought ukuleles and like he was just like plucking away at the ukulele um so he, he, they're both very gifted. It's almost not fair. Someone like me would spend their lifetime working to figure out an instrument and you and your siblings just pick them up and play them. Because of course, why would we not be able to play the instrument? But, but in our defense, we did work a lifetime. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. So people, and I remember my own life growing up and telling people like, I'm going to be a choir director. <laughs> what do you want to do when you grow up? I want to direct choirs. What do you want to do when you grow up? I want to direct choirs in the church. Um, and people would always say like, that's not a career. It didn't change, huh? Absolutely not. No. Um, right. it, for a while there, it was, I want to conduct bands. Uh, then I was delivered from that. Um, 
<laughs> but but I I remember someone telling me, um, so what are you gonna do? Um, like what are you what are you really gonna do? You know, every day. Mm. And I just I remember thinking like, but why? I feel I felt so called and compelled to do that. Um, and I remember like other adults when I was a young teenager, kind of being like, oh, you know, Randy wants to be a choir director and an orchestra conductor. Isn't that such a great goal? Isn't that sweet? He'll yeah. Thinking he'll grow out of it or. Yeah. yeah something along those lines. Life and will smack you hard. <laughs> we, we really just like. You go get a real job someday, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we really just pursued that as children, the three of us, um, you know, the various areas of music that we're passionate about. And um, I think in so many ways, like those talents were God given and our parents were, were good stewards of that. They did their best. And um, I'm so grateful for that. There were opportunities that had come along that I think a sane parent would um, have said, absolutely not. Uh, for instance, you know, my, what in um, American English would be my junior year of high school, but our grade 11 year, um, I like took over all the music for a musical that our high school did, plus all the other groups that I was involved with. And so I was at school all hours of the day and it caused other academic areas to struggle. And most parents would be like, no, you, you can't do that. This is the job of a, of a teacher. Teachers do this. Um, but they knew that I was very passionate about this and they knew that long-term this would not only benefit myself in my growth musically, but it would probably turn around and benefit the local church. And so much of what I learned through that, you know, impacted how I learned and teach music, you know, beyond that. So you didn't want to be in the high school musical. You, you wanted to be in charge of high school musical. Huh? Yes. The, the singing and playing. I uh, am excited when I can walk in a straight line. So any sort of dance movement choreography is <laughs> That's out not of the you. question. And um, I have uh, a very short memory, as I'm sure you can attest to. Uh, so to memorize lines is absolutely out of the question, beyond an option. Uh, so, mm -hmm. yes, I wanted to be in charge of all the singing and the band, and, and it was a lot of fun. I got to learn some great music and uh, teach mm -hmm. this exciting thing. Um, but through all of that, still, like, we had church was a priority. We, we played on Sunday, we sang in the choir, had to be at rehearsals. Um, no questions asked. I still played in the jazz band and the, in the classical band and sang in the choirs and played for the choirs. So there was, you know, there was always still more than just that. Um, plus homework, which sometimes got done in other times. Uh, we leave it out of the blood. So uh, that, that was high school and, and mom and dad really supported that, that notion for me. So let's jump forward to, to college because I know you and I were talking earlier today and we were reminiscing. I met Randy when I was at Urshan Graduate School at the same time that Dr. Stephen Beardsley, our senior pastor, was there as a professor. So I was in my master's program in the seminary side of the house, and you were in your undergrad at what started as Gateway and became Urshan College, and you were pursuing music. And, and so I'm sure once you finished high school and you got to college and you decided to go to an apostolic college. Everything went swimmingly and it was beautiful and wonderful. And God opened all the doors immediately and your ministry just took off, correct? No, there were actually some challenges <laughs> that, um, that I think are really, that I look back on them, that I, in that moment, felt very hurt and maybe betrayed. Um, but now that I am in the position. Would you be I'm willing in. to share an example of it? Absolutely. Like your absolutely. freshman year. Yeah. So my freshman year, uh, we, there's, so in, in our Bible colleges, there's this group called Corral and Corral is a group of like 40 odd singers, which in choir world outside of our apostolic circle is a really big choir. Um, but it's not for us. It's no, supposed no, to be. No. This is the small group, choir. Small yeah, choir. Select group. Um, and they get to travel and, and do all the kinds of exciting stuff. Uh, they get to do what, Randy? Travel. Yeah, exactly. So for those of you who don't come from Bible college backgrounds, just so we're clear, although I'm sure my friend had the purest of all motives the entire time that he was in college, one of the big draws of the crowd 
is that they spend the summer traveling from church to church and they get to uh, perform and they get to lead uh, services in many different churches. And so they, they work throughout the school year to prepare their repertoire. So that way throughout the summer, this small choir of 40 members can travel across our fellowship and minister in different churches. So it's a, it's a big deal if you're a musician or a singer to get to be selected to be in the chorale. And you being a natural musical prodigy, you were selected, correct? I was not. You were not. No, I was not. So my first year um, at Gateway College of Evangelism at the time, uh, what the school was prior to its acquisition by the United Pentecost Church International, um, we, I had auditioned for chorale. And uh, there was a bit of a challenge related to um, personality and um, culture, really. At the end of the day, uh, I didn't come from a standard uh, kind of, yeah, a standard um, apostolic church in the United States. I was from um, a different culture. You are a white French Canadian raised in Canada who grew up in a predominantly Caribbean apostolic church, and you didn't quite fit what they were expecting. Yeah, it's. It, it, the assumption when you see me would be um, just a no, you know an ordinary guy from pick any state, uh, but being from uh, being from a large city, being from a large Canadian city, and being from the church culture that I love, I I long for that culture. I get so excited when I run into someone in, you know in the public sphere that's from the West Indies. It just like excites me just for like two minutes uh, everything from the accent to the the dialect and the sentence structure to the memories of of being of, of having visited jamaica and and being a part of that that culture i absolutely um you know i identify so much of what kind of my background to that so there, there were some challenges there and for me it was there was kind of like a twofold option um what i told you desi is like a sane person probably would have like packed up his toys and left the sandbox. Um, just like- how, packing... how dare they not recognize your abilities? Yeah, and in most music Because schools... it's not like Gateway was your only option, correct? In fact, even that in and of itself, we don't have time for all that. I'm sure it was quite a choice to come to a non-accredited private religious Christian college instead of some major music program. I had a, a teacher at one of Canada's largest universities tell me that Going to Gateway was his greatest disappointment in me, and um, which was his very, greatest disappointment, which was Ouch. very severe because I really looked up to this individual. He was a very gifted uh, conductor and educator. But then in his next statement, he said, "Obviously, you're doing this because you feel strongly compelled to do so." And he wasn't a Christian. So you give up these, uh, yeah. So you give up these opportunities to go to some very prestigious music schools to come to a non-accredited private religious school in the United States and then you get there and they don't even let you in the corral. So for me that that turned I allowed that to turn into a character building moment um, which wasn't an easy decision to make. <laughs> Look you're so smooth all the time it was a character building moment folks it, it means he was very moment. angry and it hurt very deeply that's what it means. <laughs> it was disappointing to say the least um, but to to navigate that, um, I decided to throw myself into the music ministry of the community in which I, I lived in St. Louis, and then also mm -hmm. to be a part of the music ministry that was on campus every week. So I had really committed myself to playing in chapel, to being involved in chapel music, mm -hmm. to serving um, my peers throughout the school year. You know, any school year presents so many challenges for college students in any community, whether it's a Christian college or a secular university. And so for me, like it, it kind of created this opportunity where I can focus on the music that we were singing in chapel and, and be a part of, of their, of their worship life. And then also I getting connected and finding a local church in St. Louis and, and being grounded, which eventually was the sanctuary um, pastored at the time by uh Brother Tim Dugas and, and Brother Scott Graham, you know, that those two places became home and mm -hmm. I grew a lot through that. And then of course the next year um, I had uh, established a strong enough relationship with um, 
the, the people who are making decisions related to chorale and was able to sing in chorale and was blessed to be a part of uh, a chorale tour that was a lot of fun. I, I won't diminish that at all. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, but we were able to walk into some amazing churches that were of various sizes and various makeups and just to be a little light in um, a church to like, I know there were moments where we encouraged pastors who were very discouraged. Um, we ministered to people who are in great places in their walks with God, people who are in, in dangerous places. And that was such mm. a rewarding experience for us. And then we were able to go to churches that were in really unhealthy uh, places. And we were able to um, hopefully be a part of a, a spiritual and cultural reset um, through engaging yeah. the hearts and minds of people with music and, and hoping that maybe this would, would help them turn back to the place that God had originally called these amazing churches, these great churches to be. And, and that was absolutely wonderful. And then, you know, throughout college, it, it you know, it, it seemed like it was going to be great. And then Urshan College was, um, Gateway College was acquired by Urshan Graduate School of Theology. And that was so exciting. Like we were um, passionate about the future. Anything was possible. And to this day, I still believe anything is possible. I wholeheartedly believe there will be a law school on that campus and a medical school and a nursing school. Um, but at that time, as, as a young adult who is a student, we really believed that anything was possible and nothing was, nothing was going to stop us as an institution. And um, mm -hmm. I remember going from my junior year to my senior year, we had actually between the Gateway and, and Urshan transition, we had changed our degree programs. Um, completely shifted degree programs. And so where as most seniors get to enjoy a normal course load, uh, we, were, we were saddled with what felt like a saddling, a higher amount of courses um, in each semester or taking over 20 yeah. credit hours, which is unheard of and, and very strongly discouraged. Um, but God granted Says us- Says the college professor, don't take 20 plus credits at a time. So don't do it. So for those of you, he just said that really fast, but for those of you who may have missed that, as Gateway transitioned to Urson College and then began to seek accreditation, it means that the school had to completely restructure their academic course load. And so while that is a plus now today, for those students who were currently students at the time, such as Randy and his wife, Erica, it meant that, guess what? You know how you thought you were almost ready to graduate and you only had this many classes left? Well, now you got this many because we had to restructure and you've got to retake some stuff and you got to do this extra work because they were caught in the middle in this transition time. Which we had the option to stay on our old degree programs, but the um, the doors that would be open on, under the new degrees, it was it was it would have been foolish for anyone to not take that opportunity. Not do that extra work. But especially since work, you plan to go on. Yeah. But the extra school. work was most definitely a lot of extra work. And at times it was so discouraging. But it's interesting to note, like the like like I said earlier, a, a saint, a, a person who, you know, a, a normal person, you know, would pack up their toys and leave their sandbox and, and go to another college. But I, I really felt such a strong um, and uh, you know, really strongly compelled to be at Urshan College, to be a part of that ministry, um, to be connected with the scholars in our tradition that were in the United, in the Apostolic Church that were um, were going that were, that were training the leaders of tomorrow and being a part of learning in in that environment uh, really was so uh, became so important to me, and I'm yeah. I'm so thrilled that even though like in that moment it was it was difficult. I can look back on that and, and think, what was I doing? But <laughs> more than that, I thank God for that because I was able to spend more time with teachers, you know, throughout the week. Mm. Most students were taking 15 credit hours. I'm taking 20. So that means I'm, I'm getting even more time with these great men and women and being able to converse with them and, and build close, close relationships that, you know, even mm -hmm. to this day, I, I can text some of these professors at like two o'clock in the morning and they're probably going to answer me and it can be like something silly like a silly meme about Rachmaninoff pianos or um, a theological question and, and the the amazing thing which we can't see in our future which I know now is here you are a decade later from when you first stepped foot on that campus and now you are a professor with some of those professors who had such a profound impact on your life 
now you are one of them. <laughs> and, and that's kind of like a surreal thing. I don't, in so many ways, um, some of the professors will say, you know, you can call me XYZ blank name, but there's, I will always look up to them. There's something about a trailblazer, someone who had a dream in a time where it was, you know, when I went to Gateway and then eventually Urshan, it, it wasn't too far-fetched. Urshan Graduate School was already accredited and we were already very well-rounded academically as an institution. So it wasn't too so it, it was an attainable goal. It was yeah. something that seemed doable. To have an accredited institution. But these men and women um, had this vision and this dream when at a time in our history where God was still doing great things through the uh, tools that we had, but they were giving, God was giving them these amazing dreams and visions of an institution that, you know, at the time would have never been able to, to come to fruition financially, academically, the lot, you know, even, a, even the you, idea you're of talking library. within our Pentecostal apostolic circle. Yes. Within the, yeah. within the apostolic circle. Absolutely. Um, it just wasn't really an option without compromising on our distinctives at the time. And, and mm-hmm. um, to be a part of, to be alive in this moment for us is, is a great thing. We have two accredited colleges and an accredited seminary um, that teach that there's only one God and that, that enforced you yeah. baptism. And that's the, the other school being Christian life college in Stockton, California. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, so when I or went other to school. Bible college 20, I, that's where my, and my wife, our undergrad is at CLC. And when we were there 20 years ago, um, it was not accredited. And none of our schools were accredited. Choosing to come to a Bible college was a choice not to pursue an accredited degree in, um, quote unquote, a college environment. It was a totally different experience. Yeah. So we're getting, we're a little past the 730 mark if you are, and we have so much more good stuff to share. I'm going to have, we're going to have to skip part of what we had pre-planned. Go ahead and begin to submit your questions if you have not already done so. But I want Randy to share one more story. Specifically, I asked him to share this story. And we're going to jump forward to that excellence um, story you and I talked about. So we're going to fast forward. You finished school. You and Eric are married. You've now moved to Louisville. You are in your Master's of Music program yourself. You're working in a local church, but you're not a professor yet. So you've got to feed your family. You are working at Dillard's which is a department store in the Midwest and you are in charge of the handbags and I get in trouble. He's going to slap me if I say purses. But for those of you who don't know what that means, Randall DeMerchant was in charge of a whole department at within a department store Dillard's and his department was in charge of handbags and accessories and basically all the expensive little ladies items. So So, jump um, into this story. Which is not anything like being a choir director or or a choral conductor or anything like that. You're selling purses. Yeah, absolutely not. Handbags at a very nice department store. So how how on earth does this intersect with all these? I would imagine, because I've had some of them myself, this is one of those like, God, how did I end up here? Where are you, God, kind of moments. Like, I'm at a department store. I sell ladies' wallets and clutches and purses and handbags and things like that. I'm supposed to be doing these awesome music ministry things for you. Yeah. So we were, my, um, we, I was serving or I was working for Dillard's and, um, I was really just doing my best, uh, for first, just because, you know, that's kind of in me like to, to work, you know, if someone's paying me, I'm going to work hard for them. Um, but, more than that, I just really wanted to, to do well, to excel mm-hmm. at this um, task of being a sales manager. And, um, you know, retail is like this like shifting landscape. Uh, right now it's like, it's, it's quicksand because sometimes like online is winning and brick and mortar and these other venues. And so it was, it was really a challenge that I took to. And, um, you know, while I was there, I really enjoyed a lot of what I did. And so much of what I did, I did with the same spirit of excellence that I carried with me when I pursued music. And that opened the door for me to work with, talk to, communicate with industry leaders within within the fashion community as a whole from large companies, large companies based in New York, 
uh, that really when one person in that building says, this is what the fashion trend will be for fall of 2023, that is what everyone wears, whether they purchase it from the very expensive and nice department stores or TJ Maxx, that's what everyone wears. And so it, it was interesting to be in these circles of influence, but more than that, it was interesting to be in these circles of influence and be apostolic, to believe that the Bible isn't just an ancient text, but it is an authoritative document, but it is more than that, it is the living word of God um, that molds and shapes my thinking and my actions and my words. And it allowed us, and it allowed me to uh, share the gospel with a lot of people whom I would have never been able to share the gospel with. Not only had I not been working at Dillard's, but had I not been performing at the level that I was striving for, the degree of excellence that I was pursuing. And it allowed me to pray with people who, prior to that moment with praying with them on my sales floor or in a stock room, um, probably didn't even acknowledge the existence of a God, never mind Jesus Christ, and allowed us to um, really minister to these people, to build relationships with them. And eventually I actually hired um, a saint, a, a fellow saint of mine that went to church with me. She worked with me and it was such a joy to not only have another apostolic to work with me, but to really like in so many ways have a co-laborer in our store to share the gospel with people. And then, um, you know, fast forward, I, uh, you know, let's do one quick story. Yeah. Because he's got awesome. And we may just have to have you back a third time at some point in the future. I want you to share the story about going on to was which university campus was it? Oh, this story. Yes, oh, do okay. this and then we'll go to questions. Okay, okay. Because my point is here you are. You're running a department within a department store. This looks nothing like music ministry, which you've prepared for and you plan to spend your life in. And yet, because of your job, there were still moments where God, if you'll allow me to use this, broke in and these little <laughs> rays of light sometimes come yeah. through those dark clouds and you still got to do music. So share the example about the time you were on a university, why were you on this university campus? So I had a student that was working for me over the summer and she was from a sorority and she had invited me to come up to her sorority and she was going to sell handbags with me. And we were just going to see what business we could make happen in this changing retail market. And your, and your boss was okay with that. So you took off one afternoon with a trunk full of merchandise to go to a college campus right in the middle of where, so you got to picture this where all these girls sororities are. So you can set up shop for dealers out of your vehicle and sell handbags to all of these college sorority yeah. girls at a so university. I was in this sorority house, which was actually like a really nice hotel. Just want to put that out there. They really <laughs> live really well. Those fees definitely pay for a lot. And there was this beautiful grand piano in the foyer. And I was just kind of playing you're around. waiting for your sale yeah, time. People to are in start class and people are, you know, I'm just, I'm there there's bags, come buy something. Um, and so I'm just kind of there all day. So people are coming and going, you know, it's their home. So they come to eat lunch or they're coming between classes to get a snack or whatever. And so I'm just kind of sitting there playing and this young lady walks by and um, she said, oh, I didn't, I, how do you know that piece? And I said, oh, you know, I, I, love, I love George Gershwin. He's one of my favorite composers. He's an American. Um, and uh, I said, yeah, I you just had to person. point that out, right? Yeah. It, 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 if you missed that, that was like, hey, he's a great composer, even though he's an American. That, no, that's what that came across like. Putting, no. <laughs> and so I was playing this exciting piece and um, this young lady like, you know, got so excited and she said, how do you know this? You know it really well. And I, you know, explained to her, I had played this for my master's degree program. And um, I had studied with some amazing teachers who, who, you know, new members of his family and, and helped kind of develop the scholarship around this composer. And so she, she ran away up to her, her room and comes running back down with her music books. And she goes, could you help me with this? And so she sits down at the piano and we do this lesson in the foyer of this sorority house surrounded by hand, name brand handbags. So, so you do this impromptu piano lesson in the foyer of a girl sorority house at the university. Yeah. So then um, the opportunity kind of like evolved some more and she runs over to the music building of this university and um, here comes this lady and 
she definitely doesn't look like she belongs in a sorority. She's very like well put together, well poised um, individual. And I thought, oh great, here comes like a thousand dollars walking through the door in Jesus' name. Thank you. You're Lord. thinking purse sales, right? <laughs> uh, yes, I'm thinking financial victory for my department. And this lady walks in and she introduces herself and she said, I'm the chair of the piano program. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hi, do you need a handbag? Um, and so she, and we talked about not only what I had shared with her student, which is kind of a, a bit of a taboo thing to do with other people's piano students. Um, but then uh, like the potential of returning to that, to that institution and, and sharing some more thoughts on this composer as my late piano teacher was one of the experts on this composer and he has, uh, you know, he's passed away and, and has gone on to his reward. And um, there are only a handful of his students towards the end of his career. He really focused in on this composer because it was one of his favorites. And so we attained kind of a special like focused study on this composer on George Gershwin. And, um, you know, we, we kind of know a disproportionate amount about the composer and the technique and, and the, his composition approach. So it, it was a really exciting opportunity, but here I am, you know, I'm trying to do the best I can in my job and I've studied to grow in my calling and the opportunity presents itself on a secular campus where I, there are very few episodes. As you are there to sell handbags and yet yes. you get to meet the head of the piano department and make yes. a contact there which has been you know uh, the i haven't been able to build on that relationship but there little is little covid thing there. happened but right there's the hope that you'll be able to go back at some point and yeah so that that's very exciting both from a musical connection. perspective but from a missional perspective to be a light in you know on a campus that might not have a, a strong presence Absolutely. Joyce, if you would go ahead and join us, our executive assistant Joyce is on the line with us tonight. Hey, there you are. Hello. Good evening. And I hope by now we've got some questions that have been submitted. We talked a, a little bit long, but I'm taking my prerogative as the person doing the conversation. And have you got any questions that have been submitted yet at this time? Yes. What's the hardest piece of music you've ever learned? Oh, hardest because I only made it hard on myself. I am not the greatest fan of Brahms or Chopin, which is very surprising for most pianists. His, Brahms is vocal music. I could sing Brahms in German till the cows come home, wherever they've gone, we don't care. I could conduct his choral music all day long. His piano music, um, and my piano teacher from Urshan College, Dr. Ann Ahrens, uh, put forth an amazing effort. We, we, she tried several times to get me to love his music. To get you she, to appreciate this man's work. Huh? And she <laughs> is a brilliant pianist and plays Brahms so well. And I remember my piano teacher said, you have no choice. You have to learn these two Rhapsodies. And um, I just, it was only hard because I just prayed for the rapture every time I walked into the practice room to just take me away from this, from this piano. Um, so those are definitely like the two hardest pieces as far as, um, learning them. Now, as far as like difficulty level, I have a hard time grading pieces because I, I don't think anything is hard. I always think things are new. So for me to say, what is that's a whole lesson in and of itself. Huh? So what is the hardest piece of music? It's, it's difficult because like, what is the newest like genre within piano to me in that moment? And so it, once you learn something, something you haven't been hard, exposed. Yeah, something so, you haven't been exposed to before. We're just going to go with the Brahms for now, the Brahms Rhapsody. But anything by Brahms really is in the top level of hard because I just would rather have a book burning ceremony in my front yard than play Brahms. Well, what is your favorite verse that applies to music and worship together? My favorite verse in, in scripture. Uh, yes. Sorry. yes, Randy, in scripture. Uh, <laughs> oh, what? Just pick one that stands out to you. Maybe favorite is not the appropriate word. There are, I mean, there are just so many. A favorite is a difficult word. Um, I think it's, I, I, my favorite thing in scripture musically related are the canticles of scripture, which are songs that are written that aren't in the book of Psalms. 
I have two. My favorite right now is the Song of Mary in the Book of Luke, which in Latin we call the Magnificat. And I love how my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit um, rejoices in his name. But I, I love how she always does. She focuses on um, he has raised the lowly and has humbled the great. She kind of focuses on this great reversal of raising the lowly and, and lowering those who are of great pride. And she kind of ends with holy is his name. And in so many ways, I think of Mary, I'm like, but if you only knew how holy that name was in that moment as a young lady receiving the word from the angel. So music in scripture, the Magnificat in the book of Luke, the song of Mary every day, right now. That's your favorite. Next week it might right change, now. but this week it's that. <laughs> this week, that's what it is. <laughs> so we've been talking about sacred cows this week. Can you name some sacred cows that would be better off on the grill than in the church? That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so let me prep you. You didn't know this, but our theme this last week was sacred cows, where we allow, you know, cultural expectations and things to, to become unmovable, even though they may not line up with scripture. So maybe from your perspective, are you willing to share any? You're in a safe so place, my friend. Things sacred that are, cows. We would say we cannot move. In, in our I church culture. Here's where we have the hardest time. And this is both in music, but in, in any area of ministry, I, I always try to remind myself that I am to submit myself to my brothers and sisters, just as they're to submit themselves to me. And mm -hmm. I want to walk in a humility that is genuine. So when something has to change that makes me feel uncomfortable, I, I want to be humble enough to realize that number one, it's not about me. And number two, that God still has a purpose for me in that change. So when we look at sacred cows, I think it's important to realize that I think the last time I used my neighborhood analogy where like everyone, everyone's home in, in the Protestant church is, is a little different and we watch yeah. out for each other. Uh a homeowner's association versus a neighborhood versus watch. Neighborhood watch. And so we have yeah. to remember like in our neighborhood watch and even in the context of our, our homes in our neighborhood watch that the fundamentals are really all that matters that we build from there. So, you know, if you see something changing in your local church that doesn't line up with the truth of scripture, the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus name and filling of the Holy spirit, living a life that is separate and honoring and glorifying to God, you know, once we veer outside of that, we're now focusing on preference and things that are important for each individual local church. And each pastoral team is elected by our congregations, just as they did in the New Testament. And we have to trust that God is guiding them and leading them and that they are in prayer and watching for our souls. And we have to kind of navigate through that with all humility as they navigate through, through the challenges of, of ministry um, with humility. But I don't grill much, so you know. <laughs> that was a very classy, smooth answer that what skirted it around. But oh, I'm sorry. But I'll let you pass. Go ahead. What's the next question, Joyce? What instruments do you play, and which one is your favorite? Uh, I only play the piano and the organ. Um, I can yeah, blow. Oh, into... oh, really? True story. I can blow into a clarinet and saxophone and make a sound that sounds like a pitch, but it is not a joyful noise unto the Lord. But if I'm going to pick an instrument, I would rather play the Hammond organ every day of the week, all day. Isn't that fascinating? Let's pause here for a second. Coming from a professional pianist. So why Hammond organ? Um, I was fascinated with it as a child. Roots, huh? And more than that, the organ... The, the pipe organ really represents the entire orchestra and can create these infinity amount of sounds. But then you take the Hammond organ and it kind of puts this like new world grit to it. And I just love how in so many ways you can do a lot of great classical things to it, but at the same time, you can do a lot of really beautiful jazz and gospel uh, sounds and, and create these like sounds and, and vibes that are just exciting all the time. So should all churches have a Hammond organ? Uh, back to the neighborhood watch, Brother Lugo. Back to the neighborhood <laughs> watch. <laughs> Very good answer. 
Now, if I was the head of the homeowners association, it would be yes, but we're not in a homeowners association. Fair enough. I'm going to group two questions together, two separate ones. So the Lugo kids want to know when you met the Lugo family <laughs> and another. Oh, one. shameless self plug. <laughs> and do you have any funny stories about Desi? Why, are, why did you pick those? Joyce, you're supposed to be on my team. <laughs> so I, the first time I saw the Lugo family, I had committed to Brother and Sister Hoffie, my music ministers in St. Louis, Missouri, that I was going to sing in the choir for Christmas Sunday. And then as soon as service was over, I was going to get on a plane and fly home. And it just so happened that the uh, first time I met the Lugo family, I believe Sister Patrick was with you, um, Desi. She might, we moved in December. Yeah. And so your, your mother-in-law was with you and she I jumped out of my car and I don't know how she knew who I was, but she said, I know who you are and I have lots of gluten-free food in my daughter's freezer. <laughs> so, so, is- so I got to give slight backstory. He said family. He had met Rachel and I at, at general conference the year before. Mm-hmm. And m- more family history there. His wife, Erica, and my wife are cousins. So so understand that Rachel and his wife have known each other like their whole lives. So we're at general conference and she meets her cousin's boyfriend. And then this is what, September, October. And then we're moving there, you know, in a few months. And some other time you'll have to get Rachel's version of the story. This very, very tall, gangly, pastely, sickly boy who who has severe celiac disease and is not eating correctly at school and so he is wasting away my wife's claim to fame with him she's still proud of to this day what she put I, I i'm not exaggerating she put what like 20 pounds on you once we moved to st louis like a good southerner she fed me and that's really what it, what he do is because we lived across the street from the school so he would walk over and he would eat dinner with us because he couldn't eat most of what was in the university cafeteria because he had to be on a gluten-free diet and there were not many options. So he just wasn't eating. So we moved there and my wife made it her personal mission to fatten up this young man who was unhealthy and, and very, very sickly. And so Rachel's very proud that the first year we were there, he, and I'm not exaggerating, probably gained about 20 pounds from just eating regularly with us at our house because <laughs> he could finally eat yeah there so, we go does that, that count was, as a funny story that or counts, is that, that's a funny that's our funny story and our oh, first okay. meeting there all in one mm-hmm. are there any instruments that you wish you could play that you have not any that are challenging or unique i wish i had an affinity for stringed instruments guitar bass and or violin cello viola upright. you could cheat and learn the guitar no kind of like no, not enough you're like in an 80s hairband or something huh? oh boy but i i just can't seem to like get it and uh, i always say violin is italian for handsaw oh, that's terrible so i'm I expecting could... i'm not watching but i imagine regina is probably making comments right now i wish i could play wife the plays the violin <laughs> I actually think that that is, that's all of our questions. Really? Wow. We, we kind of clipped through. Last time we had so many technical difficulties, we weren't able to get back to it. If we have a couple, we have a few more minutes. So I'm going to go back to a story. So you shared the one about this unexpected place and how you're in it. You're, I, it still makes me crack up every time I think of you telling me this story because you're at a university in a girl's sorority and you're there to sell handbags. And you give an impromptu piano lesson. And through it, you get to meet the chair of the piano department. Yeah, it was. That really, works it was in very neat. winding roundabout ways. It so does. jump forward another story about excellence, because you were talking to me recently about you, you're now teaching. You're a, a music professor at a college. And um, share with our congregation, because I think this is a lesson everyone in life should learn, especially our youth group. So I'm speaking directly to my two teenagers, Desi and Kendall, if you're watching, you better be watching. And then the rest of our youth group about how excellence honors God. And would you be willing to share part of a story that you shared with your students? Absolutely. So I, um, one of the things that is 
probably the negative of a Christian education is that it is a Christian education. You are in an insulated environment. What does that mean? Okay. It means you do not get to interact with those outside of your church community. And although in formation of worldview and thought process, that's wonderful. As far as our core calling and core empowerment as apostolics and as Christians to spread this good news of the gospel, we can easily fail at that. And I was sharing with some students at Urshan College about working and being able to share the gospel in certain centers that require specialized skill sets. And uh, there, are, there are many, for instance, music, um, the dance world is a very close, tight-knit world. Dancers are friends with mostly dancers. And there are musicians other- Musicians tend to be friends with, friends musicians. with musicians. There are other- fields. Doctors probably tend to be friends with doctors. doctors Attorneys nurses, tend to be friends absolutely. with attorneys. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I, the church I grew up in, we had an amazing group of nurses who were praying women and men, and they were well-educated and excellent at their jobs. Um, we had world-class physicians that attended our church that shared the gospel with others. And I, I remember telling our students, I said, you are never going to be able to reach those people if the skills that you're called to hone here on this campus, as far as professional skills, are not to that degree and to that level that allows you to move beyond a conversation related to music or counseling or psychology or you know, what, whatever field you're going into, whatever your you, profession is, mm -hmm. you need to get to that place personally at your own skill level and development so that you can have a conversation with people about who Jesus is so that you can start building relationships and friendships instead of being kind of the person that has to work extremely hard all the time, nonstop, because you lack the skills and the abilities and the background and you're always constantly in the weeds of, of whatever field you're in. And I remember challenging our students to, to, to hit that high level, that high degree of excellence in order to be a witness in the communities that they're, they're surrounded in. And some of the students took this challenge on and picked a particular individual. And you know what was really neat? I was able to talk to this, this professional um, after the semester was over and they shared some unexpected Expected enlightening things. This individual is from an ecumenical background or from a, a background of um, being in lots of different churches of various denominations. And they told me, they said, I have learned so much from the Pentecostals, but what I don't understand is where do you guys find the passion about anything you talk about when it comes to the things of God? Where does this passion come from? My interactions with Urshan College students have caused me to appreciate this passion and seek it out further. And it was so impressive to me that the young men and young women of that institution not only took it to heart, but were able to be a witness to this individual. To this professional musician. This professional, yes, to be and, a witness. And their witness them. was not just because they were apostolic, it's because they were being good musical students and mm -hmm. it opened the door. So, so please don't miss that. Yeah. So it, it just, so, it was so amazing. You know, there, I will, we'll end with this. You know, it's, I, I love music and I'm so grateful that I have the gifts I have and I've had the exposure that I've had to study with some of the greatest piano and voice teachers um, in the world. I, I, I studied voice with Paul Davidson who trained singers who have come out of Africa and have studied at some of the greatest conservatories in the United or in um, the European Union and the United States and Canada. And I studied piano with uh, Maurice Hinson, who is the father of American piano pedagogy and uh, Fernanda Trocan, who is a well-respected uh, concert pianist who has studied with amazing concert pianists here in the United States. And she's originally from Colombia. And uh, one of the things though, that is more important than learning the skills of, of my craft is that um, it's not just, it's not just music, it's an opportunity to be a light in a, in a world that is so filled with darkness and so filled with no hope. People are looking 
for something. They're looking for anything to grasp onto. At a moment's notice, there are people that you come into contact with that can fall apart and break down into tears because the world in which they are living is crumbling and collapsing. And although in our lives that may happen, we have a hope that is eternal, that is stronger than anything else. And we are blessed to, to know that truth, to have no God like any other God, um, to serve the only living God. And to have that high degree of excellence in any field, whether that is music or, or psychology or business or graphic arts, you will have the opportunity not only to use your skills to edify the church body, but through your skill set, join communities that won't otherwise see an apostolic Jesus name baptized spirit-filled Christian. And I think it is so important that we that we remember that, that we pursue our callings and our giftings, whether you're called to be a nurse or an entrepreneur or a pastor or a musician, whether whatever that is, that we pursue that with all diligence because it's not only about glorifying God through that, but to whilst glorifying God, our worship calls us to reach the world, to save those that to, to be able to, to share the saving gospel with those who, who have no hope otherwise. And so, you know, in so many ways, that's what excellence is for is to really help us to serve not only the church, but to be a light, to distinguish ourselves from those in the world and to, to reach the lost. Right. And so our excellence, whatever our field of study is, whatever our profession is, doing our job with excellence is in itself a witness. So we got to be careful not to reduce witness to the idea that it just means when I'm talking about baptism, you know, when I'm sharing the oneness of God. Yeah. As I go about my day, as I interact with other people, if I do my job with excellence, it's that excellence that may open the door for me to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a wonderful thing that all of us, especially our young people, everyone needs to learn it. But young people, if you'll get this now, it will it will change the way you view work, even if it's your first job and it's at Taco Bell or Chick-fil-A or whatever else. When you work with excellence, it brings glory to God. Absolutely. All right, Joyce, we're coming to the top of the hour. Were there any other questions or did that that rounded out? Um, I believe Rachel had one. Uh, let me see. Disqualified. <laughs> she asked if we get to meet your family tonight. <laughs> but she also asked, what would be your top three things you would want to share with the local church about worship? So we'll round, this will be our last one. You okay. could give, and I know you're doing it on the fly, but if, if you could talk into any church, in a, in a church context, if you just had a chance to have a conversation about worship, what were three ideas that would really stand out to you? So number one, uh, spend time in scripture and discover what the Bible has to say about worship. Explicitly, mm. implicitly, look at rhythms of, of worship, patterns of praise, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and model yourself after that, number one. Number two, there is no explicitly prescribed form of New Testament worship. You need to stay, you need to be who you are. You need to be your local congregation. You don't have to be any other church but the church that you are. Be true to that, whether that's in musical language, that's in song choice, whatever that is, be true to that. And number three, do it with excellence, but have fun doing it. Mm, there's have nothing, fun doing it. There's nothing that turns people away more than when it's time for our corporate gathering and those who are leading in song service do not look like they're enjoying themselves, nor do they look like they're trying to do a good job. So do it with excellence, but enjoy it while you're doing it. So those are the three things I would have for you. Seek out scripture, see what scripture has to say. Be who God has called you to be in your community. Be the identity that your church is. 
And number three, do it well and have fun. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Yeah. Well, in Excellent. answer of Rachel's first question, though, just to interrupt something. Oh, oh look at this. Here we this go. Is, this is the star of the show. This is Sebastian Edward. Hello, Sebastian. Anyways. Anyways. Hi. He's a very happy baby. And this is my amazing wife. And our anniversary is in a couple of days. And how long will have you been married? Quite a while. So is mine. It's on the 15th of July. We're the 12th. Well, congratulations. It's coming up very, very soon. So for those of you, I know who you asked last time if Randy would play for us. I asked him ahead of time, is the microphone that he usually does for recording and teaching and things like that online is still in his office back on the college campus at St. Louis. So he, he was not comfortable doing that because he'd want it to sound right. However, I will say without saying too much, stay tuned. Keep watching our broadcast because in the very near future, you will have a chance to hear Randy play and his lovely wife, Erica, sing. That's, and that's all I'm going to say about that for now. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just there. You're just some guy who can play the piano. I'm as just you some guy who can play the piano. Right? She can really sing. You want to hear that. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Erica, it's always a pleasure to see you. Hello, Sebastian. Thank you for giving us your time on a Friday night. Bye-bye. And Newark family, be sure to check out our website at newarkupc.info. You can find all kinds of information about our small groups, online giving, submitting prayer requests, baptism requests, etc. Connect with us there if you're not doing that. And be sure to join us for our broadcast each evening, Tuesday through Sunday at 7 p.m. And having said that, we wish you all a good night. God bless.